want to make sure you're paying attention. Glad you have decided to be here tonight at Dalreda. As we've said, if you are visiting with us, we are glad that you stopped by for whatever reason that may be, whether it's a holiday weekend, you're passing through, whether family, or uh, whether you just stopped by uh, to see what we're about. We are glad that you are here tonight. And if you are visiting, uh, we want to make sure that we have an opportunity to speak to you, to get to know you, and to, to share some more time with you. For our members, glad that you have decided to be here tonight as we uh, study God's Word and we consider uh, what He has taught us and how we can apply it to our lives. Before we begin, let's have a word of prayer. Lord our God, we come before you tonight thanking you for every blessing you have given to us, the day that we have, that we can worship you and exalt you for who you are and what you have done. God, we thank you for your word that you have blessed us with so that we can know how we are to speak and we are to act. Help us to write on our hearts so that we may share it with others. We thank you for Jesus, and we pray all this to you in his name. Amen. So the theme of our lesson tonight, what we want to focus on, is how to make the right decision. Now, I understand when you look at this, this is a very uh, open phrase. It's very generic when you think about, okay, where, where all could this go? What do you mean by how do we make the right decision? What we're going to do is we're going to take this, this thought, we're going to flesh it out. We're going to try and find some ways for it to apply to us personally. Some things for us to consider in our own personal lives and things that maybe we can share with other people. And find out how can we make the right decision about a lot of things. Now, as we look at this phrase, the first thing that I want us to focus on, and one of the main phrases that, one of the main words that jumps out to me is the word right. And I want you to hold on to this whole phrase together as we consider our theme verse uh, for the night. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. Now, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to James chapter 2. We'll be spending time in this chapter tonight uh, understanding its full concept and what's going on there. But as we think about this theme verse and we think about what is right and how do we really clarify certain things, I think James does a fantastic job of teaching us of how to observe what God has given to us and make the right decision, and that's where we're going tonight. So as we think about this word right, what comes to your mind? What is your best definition of what is right? There's a couple of different words that come to my mind when I try and define what is right. If we're going to make a right decision, what does that really mean? I think the first and most obvious is if we are going to think about it biblically. You know, I'm very happy that God has given us the Bible that can make decisions for us. You know, if it was just left up to our own merit to decide whatever we're going to do in our lives— if we were going to decide whatever is right, uh, you see what the result is. I think there's a lot of people in the world that try and determine what is right in their own lives without using any real standard at all. But I'm thankful that we have the Bible. And so maybe you look at the word right and you say, okay, how do I make the, the best biblical decision? How can I go to God's word and how can I decide what is right? Maybe that's the first thing for us to consider. But outside of that, maybe there's things, you, you go to the scriptures and you think, okay, well, there's not a specific answer for me. I've searched from backwards to forwards, and I've gone all over the place, and I can't find a specific answer for my situation or, or the decision that I'm supposed to make. Maybe we just have to resort to what is wise. I love wisdom literature. You go through the Old Testament, and you find a lot of information about how to make the wisest decision you possibly can. I think one of the best understandings for what is wise is gathering information, organizing it, and living it out. And that's what the Bible does. It gives us a lot of different previews to decisions that we may come across. 
gives us a lot of footing, gives us a lot of ground for us to consider what is the wisest thing for you to do in any given situation. So maybe when you think about what is right, you think about what is wise. Maybe outside of that, in just a general, uh, in a general concept, what's appropriate? And even there, you may go backwards and forwards of what is really appropriate. You know, there's a lot of decisions we're going to have to make in our life that we're going to have to just uh, step back and say, this is what is appropriate to this situation. For my family, for my personal life, whatever that may be, it's just appropriate for me to do this. So realize as we're going to make the right decision, sometimes that what is right may just be what is fitting for the moment. You may have multiple doors open up in your life at a, a given time, and you may have to decide what is appropriate for me to walk through. What's appropriate for me to say in this setting? What's appropriate for me to think? Whatever that decision is, remember, we're very ambiguous right now. The, the decision that we're making, it could be very broad, and, and maybe sometimes we just have to decide what is right according to the setting, what is really appropriate. Or maybe from a different angle, what is loving? You know, we're afforded a lot of opportunities in our life to make decisions based on our love for others. Because you can see situations in our life where we exclude love, we put love to the side, and we allow other things to foster within us, and we allow roots of bitterness to grow up within us, and, and we don't always make the decision that is the most loving or the most right to the situation. You know, you think about times in your life where you haven't shown love, whether it was a conversation with somebody. Maybe it was some kind of interaction with somebody. Maybe it was just a personal decision about your well-being or your life. Did you really consider love? If God is the ultimate example of what is love, he is love, and he shows us love by sending his son to this world to live and to die and to be raised, then what does that really say about our life? How can we make the best decision, how can we make the right decision based off of love? Man, there's a lot of ways for us to show love. There's tons of examples, tons of opportunities for us to show love for ourselves and to others. So maybe when we're trying to make the decision that is right, maybe we're going to have to make it off of a foundation of what shows the, the most love that we possibly can. Now one that I decided to throw in there is we think about what is right. If you were to ask some people, you know, what do you consider to be right? Maybe they want to go off of what just feels natural, what is natural for our own lives. You know, we have self-preservation. There are times in our lives where we need to watch out for our own well-being. Maybe there's things that are around us, situations that may be detrimental to us, and we have to decide to watch after ourselves and move some other things out of the way. So maybe you make a right decision off of what is natural for where you are, uh, what is beneficial for your health. And then finally, you may decide that you are going to make a right decision because it's morally right. You know, I think it's amazing that God has put within every human being, every heart, every soul, every mind, He has put in everyone the thought of what is moral. We can look at things in this world and we can determine if it is immoral or if it's right. Even people outside of Christianity, they make decisions on what they feel is the most moral. They make the right decision based off of what they think is appropriate according to their morals. So what has God put within us? I think he has given us a mind for us to look at certain things and choose what is right. 
So I want you to hold this in your head as we, we're trying to digest how to make the right decision. Maybe it'll fall in one of these categories. And as we continue to add scriptures, we're going to go to the book of James. We're going to look in James chapter 2. He's going to give us more of an understanding of what does this really mean to understand rightness. But let's, uh, let's understand this a little bit more. As we think about what is right, we have to decide where does this come from? How are we taught all these different things about love? How do we know anything about morals? How do we know anything about wisdom? How do we know anything about the Bible? How do we know anything about appropriate settings for us to be in? How do we learn what is right? Well, one part is we're conditioned to think in a certain way. You know, as I I think about training our, our child, there's many things that she learns because she's conditioned to think that way. Children are sponges, and you know that. They spend a little bit of time around you. They keep watching, and they begin to do certain things that come out of nowhere. The other day, we were uh, were watching her, and and somebody asked what time it was, and she did this. The girl doesn't have a watch. (laughs) She's barely one year old. Dad has a watch, and he checks it quite often. It's funny that they're conditioned to think in certain ways, and we are too. About anything, we're conditioned. Depending on where we are, who we're around, we're conditioned to think or to act in a certain way. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad. But understand that there is a condition that's there. There are are other times where we are actively taught what is right. You know, think about certain times in your life where someone had to sit down with you and correct you. Or you had to learn through a conversation, or you had to learn by sitting down and and reading God's Word and find out what is right. You had to be taught this. Someone had to tell you these things. Even some of the things about morals, someone sat down and said, do you understand your actions? Or maybe you had to sit down with someone else and say, have you decided to do what is right? Maybe that decision that you're uh, going towards right now is, it's not appropriate. Sometimes we have to be taught. There are times where words need to be used, examples have to be expressed for us to consider what is right. Sometimes we just have to do it. As we think about what is right, sometimes we're just going to have to gather all the information and we're just going to have to put a foot out there and figure out if it's going to work out or not. If you package all of these things together and you build this for our case of how we're going to decide what is right, how do we make the right decision, I think James tells us something very important in James chapter 1, verse 25. Look what he says here. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Now, the, the best and the most appropriate and by far the best right decision we can make is to base our things off of God's mind. What would God do? What would God think? The one who looks into the perfect law and perseveres. Now, I want to stop and consider that word perseveres. It's going to take work. When we do anything, it's going to take energy. It's going to take time. It's going to take ability for us to make sure that these things happen, specifically as we're trying to decide to do certain things for God. It's going to take maybe everything that we've got. And there's going to be times where it's going to be hard, but we continue. We press on, and so we persevere. Being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. 
If you want to circle or underline that last phrase, be blessed in his doing. That's our goal. We want to make the right decision so that we can be blessed in what we're doing. We want to please God. We want to make sure that he is first and foremost in everything that we are. And so as James is building this case, as we're looking at James chapter 2, verse 12, so speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty, what he told us earlier is to look at the law of liberty and persevere, do, speak, act, write it on the tablet of your heart, do everything you possibly can to gather it so that you can act and do what is appropriate. So let's continue back with our phrase, how to make the right decision. James continues to admonish us in uh, chapter 2, verse 8, and he says this. If you really fulfill the royal law, according to Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You're doing well. Now, as we're going to build a case here in James chapter 2, what he's telling us is, okay, if we're going to look at this perfect law, this uh, this law of liberty, and he's going to use different terms uh, interchangeably, but a law comes from a one true lawgiver, and he'll say that later on in uh, chapter 4, verse 12. He said, but if you're going to fulfill the royal law, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You're doing well. We have to funnel our thoughts through that. Am I loving my neighbor as myself. So this leads us to how, how to. What is the tutorial here? James, what are you really encouraging us to do? How are you going to help me make the right decision of whatever's set in front of me? He's going to give us some advice, and he's going to run it through a scenario that you're very familiar with, and we won't have to uh, go over it too much, but he uses one scenario throughout this whole book of watching for other people's well-being, and what we're going to do is we're going to expound that and go further into our lives. So what's the how-to? Let me give you a few things for us to work through. If you're going to make any decision, consider the setting. Here's what James tells us. You look at verse 9. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin, are convicted by the law as transgressors. Now in context, what James is dealing with here is the sin of partiality. Putting a divide between certain people that may come in around the church and and you push them further away instead of allowing them to come in. Now, I I dare say that uh, us at Dalreda, uh, the family here is very welcoming. And so we look back on this and we think, okay, how can I stay further away from partiality? How can I really welcome everyone and love everyone? And, And so this is a familiar concept to us. It's a familiar scenario. But what he's saying here is consider the setting. Think about where you are when anything is going to happen. For them in the church at this point, he says, okay, you're gathered together. Look in James chapter 2, verse 1. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring comes in, and so forth and so forth. He says, consider your uh, your setting. Where are you in life when you're going to make this decision? If you're going to choose what is right, is it going to be with God's will or is it going to be with yours? If you're going to think about certain times to, to study, to pray, to worship, to encourage, to evangelize, whatever these things may be, consider where you are. You afforded an opportunity to do something. You know, you look here in James chapter 2, and they're given a chance to have uh, the body of Christ come together, and somehow someone gets excluded. 
Paul says, in other words, when he speaks in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he said, look, we're a body. The body can't say, hand, I have no need of you, or to pluck out an eye and say, eye, I have no need of you. He said, that's not how this works. Everything has to work together. The church is inclusive of wanting to build itself up so that we can mature and cultivate love. If you'll read Ephesians chapter 4, there is one body, one Lord, one faith. That's our goal. So the people here, they're looking at their setting where it should be welcoming. They should be bringing more people into God, yet they're excluding. At certain times in our life, we're going to have to consider, is it appropriate right now for me to reach out to this person? Do they need help? Is it appropriate time for me to reflect on my life, my sins, and to give them over to God? Is it the right time in my life? Is it the right setting for me to maybe break a relationship here? To do this here, to do that there. James challenges us, consider the setting. Look at where you are when you're making these decisions. The next thing he says, okay, let's weigh the options. You continue in verse 9 and look at it from this angle. He says, but if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Okay, so we're building our case here in in, uh, chapter 2, starting in uh, verse 2. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in a shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? See, what James says, okay, you consider the options. You had an option to welcome someone in, and you had an option to walk away or to push them away. Okay, so let's think back through our week. Let's think back over some scenarios in our lives that maybe we should have made the the right decision. Maybe we were afforded an opportunity. We were in the right setting, in the right time, and we didn't do what God wanted us to do. Maybe it was something private. Maybe there's something bigger. Maybe there were other people around. Maybe you didn't really take the opportunity to invite someone to to come worship with you. Maybe you decided to follow your passions instead of God's. Maybe you made an unwise decision with your money. Maybe you did this. Maybe you did that. Look, did you really step back and consider the options? A lot of times where we make rash decisions, we don't really bring God into the mix. Until we walk away and we think, man, that was a perfect opportunity for me to to have glorified God. Or I just excluded God completely. He was not even a factor in what I did or what I thought. We need to weigh the options. He tells us, are you committing sin? Have you become a a a transgressor? And on the flip side, he says, okay, if you're not committing sin, are you really bringing glory to God and approved by what he tells us? In the third place, he says, consider the consequences. So if you know there's a right decision and there's something that you should be doing, he says, okay, where does this really go? Look at verse 10. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. Now, what is James saying here as he's making this case? He's giving us the scenario. What is he teaching us? See, there's lots of things that God has told us. I get it. Sometimes I look at the Bible and I think, how intimidating is this book 
with all these different rules and commandments and statutes and teachings and wisdoms. And we go on this list and we look at it and we think, I'll never be able to do this. How could God ask me to do all of these things? I feel like I fail daily. I feel like I'm always making the wrong decision. I feel like I never really draw closer to God. What's going on here? Why am I so far from him? How can James tell us these things and encourage us? Seems like there's no real out. What am I supposed to do? But what do you learn about God from looking at these verses? The same God that says this also said this. He's consistent. If he instructs us somewhere for in this place, then there's something over here that he may say as well, and they're going to work together. If he can say that about sin, what do you think he can say about promises? What do you think he can say about blessings? What can he say about encouragement? What else do you think that God can open up for us? If you have the negative side of it, if you step outside of God's will and you do what is wrong, what do you think he's going to do when you walk into his arms? What do you think God's going to do when you choose him instead of yourself? He's going to open up his arms, and he's going to wrap them around you, and he's going to lift you up. When you consider the consequences, sometimes they're negative, but think about the result of doing what God wants us to do. The blessings are amazing. So because of these things, we act accordingly. After you've gathered all this information, you're trying to decide, okay, how to make the right decision, do what is right. In verse 12, once again, he tells us, so speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. Now, this is where I think some people get hung up on what does it really mean to be under the law of liberty? Does that mean that we have free reign to do whatever we want and there's no real uh, regulations at all? No, that's not what he's saying. The law of liberty is not for us to be oppressed, to be brought down, to be condemned over and over again. It's that we may live over and over again. If we are in Christ, if we are being blessed by him, then we have eternal life waiting for us. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have blessings uh, abundantly more than we can even handle. The law of liberty tells us that it's okay if you are in Christ, he can save you. If you are in Christ, you have a life eternal. If you are in Christ, you can continue to do what he wants you to do, and you will be blessed. So there's our how-to. I think James teaches us some valuable things here. So let's go back to our phrase, how to make the right decision. We've determined what is right and how to, to really apply that. We, we've determined the how-to, what's our, what's our steps that we can go through. Now what we need to ask as we try and apply James chapter 2, verse 12 more fully. Make what decision? What are we really talking about here? We've generically hit it a few things. We can even go to James chapter 2 and look at uh, specifics. But really, what are we judging between? What is our right decision? What should we be doing? What are we really referring to? About everything. You see, God has prepared us, prepped us, lifted us up, admonished us to make the right decision in wherever we may be. In whatever we may do. If you look at that in verse 12, he says, so speak and so act. Speaking and acting is what we do every day. That's what we make our entire lives up of. Of everything that we are, he says, I've given you 
the information you need. But it comes down to what decision are we really going to make about God? I love uh, the way that the story continues or the way the passage goes in James chapter 2. He talks about this balance of faith and works. But I like verse 22. Look at what he says here. You see that faith, as he's speaking of Abraham, he says, you see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. As we're making the decisions about God and and certain things in our lives, we make it based off of faith. He gives us two examples. One is Abraham. He said, okay, if we're going to think of someone that's, that's highly religious, someone that you know, could really do no wrong, or someone that really perfected this path to God, maybe we think about Abraham. Abraham went to the point where he was willing to offer his own son uh, on an altar. He was going to kill his own child because God asked him to. If we're going to put someone on the pinnacle of faith, we're going to use Abraham, and he has been used over and over again in the Bible. We look at Abraham's faith, and it was counted to him as righteousness because of what he did. We put him high above, and we think about his faith. We think, man, he really was doing everything with this eye towards God. But what would be some of the other people that we would put in there too, that we would think about their faith and their works? Who does James decide to use? Rahab. You know, as much as we know about Rahab, and you can go to the, the book of Joshua, and you can read about Rahab, you know, uh, getting the spies, and we know about her life, that she was a prostitute. We know that eventually she is in the line of Christ. Uh, he comes from her. We understand all these things, but there's still a little bit of information. And when we speak of Rahab, what is the, the main thing that comes up? Her past life. But what James wants us to focus on is her faith. Look at verse 25, and in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. A lot of times when we think about faith, we don't really think about those little moments like that. You have a big moment like uh, sacrificing your son as God told you to, but what about the little moments of when she looked and she considered Israel? Israel's approaching the, the walls of Jericho, and she, her heart melts within her because she knows that it's not just men. There's a, there's a divine force that's guiding them. Her heart melts within her, and she gets the, the messengers into her house because she has faith in what's out there. It's a little moment like this that we gloss over, and we don't really consider that, that James says it's right there along with offering your son. When God asks us to do something, when he asks us to make a decision, he wants what is right from us. Whether it's the small moments in our lives that we, we kind of gloss over and we, thought, we think, oh, maybe God doesn't really care what I do here. Those are just as important as should I become a Christian or not. It's moments like that that we need to consider how does our faith and our works go along with each other. Make the decision about God. So if you reflect back over some of these things that have popped up, I think of three major sections for us to consider. One of them is how do we make the right decision about worship? I think about uh, Matt Cook and his uh, lesson that he talked about missions. One of the main points that he made was the reason why we evangelize, the reason why we reach out to other people is so that they and we may worship together. Have you ever considered that everything that we do during the week 
culminates in the time where we get to come here and worship God. The examining ourselves before the Lord's Supper. If we haven't done the wheat correctly, if we decided to follow ourselves instead of God, and we have chosen what is wrong, when we get to, to worship on Sunday, we may drag our feet a little bit before coming in. We may want to sit towards the back. We may want to run out quickly. We may want to hide our heads. Or maybe that the way that the week has gone, you can't wait to come in here and sing praises to God and glorify Him. When we make the right decision, we understand true worship to God in its fullest. Along with that, I think about studying His Word. How can we make the right decision about that? It's not, I don't think that it's enough for us to come in two days out of the week to come consider the Word of God. I think about Steve Wages earlier this year when he talked about families. He said, you know, why is it so difficult to have a, a home devotional with your family? He says, because you see the best and the worst all day long. You come home to your family and, and maybe you're bickering. Maybe people are running by each other and you have all this going on. And he says it's so hard to stop and, and to find those moments at home, but we can do it on Sundays and Wednesdays. We can push everything out of the way. We can put a smile on our face when we walk out of the car and we can come and worship or we can come study the Word of God. But why can't we do that at home? Why can't we push other things out of the way and consider the Word of God? Why can we not sit down with our family members, our friends, our extended family, or other people we come across and ask them about the Word of God? Can we not wade through other things in our life to make the right decision of, have you, have you read your Bible? Do you know what God really has in store for you? We need to make the right decision there. And the last category is with prayer. Are we making the right decision so that we can really pray to God effectively? Across this room, there are people with a lot of different things going on. Some of you walk in with burdens that you can't carry yourself, and you walk out with the same amount. There are times where we walk into Bible studies together, we walk into prayer times together, and we don't really open up to one another and put our burdens on one another and encourage one another, and we go through it superficially. But if we're going to make the right decision, we're going to look someone in the eyes and say, how is that going in your life? How's your marriage How's your job? You mentioned that you were really struggling recently. How's that weak point? But I can't ask those questions if I don't know you. I can't ask those questions if I don't know you on an intimate level. And that's going to be based off of the other decisions that I've made throughout the week. Do You see, those are just three things. And we could go so many other places about how to make the right decision and what does that really look like. But it all comes down to what are you actually going to do? What am I actually going to do? What are we going to do as Christians together? As the book goes on, and these are just a few words that I decided to pull out uh, for our consideration as we close out tonight. James encourages us in chapter 4, starting in verse 8. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And then in verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Regardless of where we've come from, or regardless of what decisions we've made this week, the best decision that we can make in this moment is, God, you're in control. For some of us, we need to be reminded of that. We need to put him in charge. 
For some of us, we have done things that other people are aware of, and we need to pray together and to lift one another up. Maybe even there's someone in this room that you haven't even started that walk with God. You haven't trusted in him. You haven't put your faith in him. You haven't allowed your works and your faith to go along together, and you're looking for someone to be in charge of your life. It's time for you to die to yourself. Put your passions to the side and let God take over. To repent from your sins. To be buried with Christ in baptism. Having your sins washed away in his death so that you can rise to walk in the newness of life. Not just on this earth, but waiting for eternity to be there with you. What decision will you make as we stand and as we sing?